Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak. I'm your host, Elena Fox-Starks. Hey guys, I hope you're doing really well in this moment in time and that whenever and wherever you happen to be on this big, beautiful blue and green globe we live on, that you, in some small way, had a celebration of Mardi Gras or Carnival. Today was the end of what is in some places a month-long celebration in uh, Louisiana, in New Orleans. Today was, well, Fat Tuesday. So I'm going to tell you guys a little bit more about what this is, especially if you don't live in a place that celebrates this. Fat Tuesday um, is what Mardi Gras means in French. There is a huge French-speaking population in Louisiana. It was named Louisiana because it was named for Louis XIV, Louis XIV, the King of France at the time. And then the United States of America, once the government was formed, basically, bought Louisiana in the Louisiana Purchase from the French. So there still remains today a really huge French population and French influence, which is pretty cool. And this is why the other day, last week, I took my son to cooking class. We learned how to make shrimp étouffée, étouffée being a word in French. (laughs) I can't remember what it means, but (laughs) there's a lot of French influence in the cooking there then mixed with their own kind of style um, of really spicy, really hot, and very flavorful, colorful food. And Louisiana is very famous for this uh, Creole or Cajun food. Elvis Presley's first movie was set in New Orleans, Louisiana. So basically, uh, what is Fat Tuesday? What is Mardi Gras? It's basically the last night that you can eat rich fatty foods before Lent kicks in if you're Catholic. (laughs) And there was, well, the French were Catholic um, overall uh, back in the day, as well as all of Central and South America. So these celebrations have been going on for a while. I somehow in my gut, I feel though that there's a greater story that there's a bigger cover up of what this day really used to be. Because when I look at the, um, the African South American traditions that have kind of merged together, especially in Brazil, 
I kind of see fertility rites going on. Like this is an affirmation that we're alive. It's a celebration of life. And in Brazil, they dance naked in the streets. Not everybody. Some of the dances are naked, if not partially naked. Sometimes they're like totally their bodies are painted, but they're naked. And some people are on floats having sex. So that has nothing to do with Catholicism or giving up meat, right? Although it is carne vale. Carnival means leaving the meat behind. The meat goes away. <laughs> Carne meaning meat and vale. Yeah, it goes. So, <laughs> so, and that's where you get the, the word carnival. But I have a feeling, and I haven't uncovered it yet. Maybe for next year, I'll have the research done by then. I, I think there might be origins to this time of year. It's kind of halfway it seems like it's almost halfway between the solstices. It's like a semi solstice. I feel there's like a hidden pagan holiday that Mardi Gras, Shrove Tuesday, Fat Tuesday, Carnival. I think it kind of covers up. The Catholics do this. They've done this to many, many cultures around the world. The Catholic Church, not the Catholic people, but uh, the people in charge of creating this religion have uh, forced their will upon the people all over the world and that's why a lot of uh, pagan and Wiccan traditions have been kind of usurped by the, the Catholicism and then later by Christianity like having a tree in your house at Christmas time is a pagan tradition red and white that's the time uh, that's the colors of the red and white mushrooms that the death cap mushrooms that help you or, or, um, what was it? Amanita fly muscaria. I think something like that. I have it. I have it as a tattoo. Um, anyway, this kind of mushroom is, uh, can be very deadly in the wrong hands, doing it the wrong way, but in the right way will help you see some truths. It gives you, uh, visions and knowledge that you wouldn't have had otherwise. So it's very, very sacred. It's a sacred plant. It's sacred medicine. And then, you know, the whole Santa Claus tradition is surrounding the red and white mushrooms. There's some really deep stuff there, but we're not going to get into all that right now. Um, the origins of Mardi Gras uh, actually can be traced back to medieval Europe, according to MardiGrasNewOrleans.com. They say it was passing through Rome and Venice in the 17th and 18th centuries to the French house of the Bourbons. And from here, the tradition revelry of bouffe gras or fatted calf, uh, but bouffe is actually literally the word for beef, unlike beefsteak. Um, <laughs> it followed France to her colonies, and her colonies included Louisiana. So on March 2nd, 1699, French Canadian explorer Jean Baptiste Lemoyne, Sieur de Bienville, arrived at a plot of ground that was 60 miles directly south of New Orleans, or Nalens, if you are from there, and named it Pointe du Mardi Gras when, when his men realized it was the eve of the festival, the, ho- the festive holiday. So he established Fort Louis de la Louisiane, which is now called Mobile, in 1702. And a year later, the tiny settlement of 
Fort Louis de la Mobile celebrated America's very first Mardi Gras. And if you want to read more, please go to Mardi Gras Net, or I'm sorry, Mardi Gras New Orleans dot com and see what does it have to say uh, if there's anything else basically Lent is a season if you're you're not Christian and especially if you're not Catholic um, sometimes Christians do this and usually it's just Catholics though they I can't say the word celebrate Lent but Lent is a very solemn time it's before the time in which um, Jesus is supposedly uh, killed on the cross and then somehow saves us from our sins and somehow the Christian and Catholic churches still use a cross as a symbol of Jesus. I don't know if I died, I don't want you to, you know, like if someone shoots me dead, I don't want people to start wearing a gun on a necklace around their neck. I think it's creepy. So why are we putting a cross? You know, that's how he died. Why do we wear that on, on a necklace? It's always creeped me out my whole life. Sometime, one time someone gave me a golden dove necklace as a symbol of Jesus. And I loved that. So it's a symbol of freedom and hope and love. It was perfect for him. It was perfect as a symbol for him. Cause I do love him very much, but I'm not thrilled about religion. Uh, as most of you actually are aware already, but, um, Lent is a time in which you give up something. You have to pick something and give it up for the whole time. And you make a sacrifice. So when I was eight years old, I sacrificed Catholicism. <laughs> I literally gave up being Catholic for Lent. So anyway, <laughs> I don't know if it was actually for Lent specifically, but I think it was because I kind of remember right after I told the nuns off, <laughs> um, we went to, it was like a evening at the Lutheran church and they were giving around bread and wine and I grabbed a wine and drank it down before anyone could say anything and I was so proud of myself <laughs> an excuse to drink even when you're eight <laughs> and forced to endure uh, <laughs> forced to endure religion <laughs> um, I always thought it was creepy you know this is my blood ew this is my body ew are we vampires now <laughs> are we cannibals now it, it just it's a this stuff never sat right with me. So, uh, basically, so that's what I've given you guys, uh, is pretty much the down low on what today means. But in a grander sense, it is a day of celebrating life, reveling in the moment, being absolutely goofy and silly, and just doing something different or out of the ordinary than you usually do. And I had a beer. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't a whole big celebration, but today was like, we'd had carnival all week here in, in Ecuador in Cuenca, but I didn't go downtown. It's, it's a time where people, well, children <laughs> throw water balloons at people and shoot them with, um, the super soakers. And there's these foam things that spray really far out. My son has had a fantastic time for the past two weeks, um, spring people at the ATM downstairs. <laughs> so anyone, anytime anyone's trying to get money and they're like walking up to the ATM, he like opens a window and shh, and sprays them with this grape scented 
white foam and it dissolves. It's just like water mixed with a couple, like with the scent and like sodium nitrate, which is like so gross. But <laughs> it's just, it's almost, it looks like soap and then it disappears and it doesn't like leave really much a mark. It leaves a little bit of a mark on, on windows, but it doesn't really leave a mark on anything else. But he's been spray like if people park their cars too long he'll spray their cars and I'm like tonight if that stupid car alarm goes off I swear to god I'm gonna go downstairs and I'm gonna just spray the hell out of their windshield because I'm just so tired of that I mean there's a car across the street that about three in the morning it'll start going off for like an hour and they don't do anything about it and in some places of the world that's absolutely illegal apparently not here because it keeps happening you think someone would have called the police by now. So I, I think it's not really, <laughs> and people here are very polite usually. So they, they wouldn't call the police on that. They only call when there's something like really hardcore don't going down. But, um, anyway, so my, my, my son is having this, we had, a, we had a fight yesterday with, with these super spraying foam things and sprayed the hell out of each other and we're laughing we're like covered in foam in our house it was completely wacky (laughs) but um I don't know Cuenca like I guess they have a parade early on in the morning in the like around you know before noon and like by the afternoon it's like pretty much everything is completely done they roll up the sidewalks about seven o'clock and that's the end of it while in Brazil, they're still partying, going hardcore, probably until tomorrow morning. <laughs> so part of me wishes I was in Brazil, but you know, it's okay. We went to the grocery store today and we got there at 15 minutes to seven. And according to the website, they closed at 8.30. And we figured, well, they're probably gonna close at the very earliest 7.30 or at eight o'clock, um, you know, maybe. And they, like, literally right when we got there, they shut immediately all the sections with vegetables, meat, and dairy. And I'm like, oh, great. The three things I went there for, and they literally closed down and locked those sections so I couldn't get into those sections. I was so mad. I'm like, I can't believe this. I wrote an angry letter to um, the corporation, Supermaxi, because I would have been earlier to my more local Supermaxi but they've been in two renovations for like three months and there'll be another three months in renovation. So I have to go to this other one. And there's besides that one, there's two other ones in town, but they're way far away. They're like 30 minutes away. So I was waiting all afternoon for the rain to clear. Well, the first part of the day, I, I for six hours, we had, had absolutely uh, hard visibility conditions due to ash from the volcano Sangay you know the wind blows the wrong way it's this whole city's covered in ash (laughs) and then after a while it started the wind started blowing the opposite way everything started clearing up and then the fog rolled in then the rain heavy duty lightning and thunderstorms it was so loud and then that was followed by a double rainbow and I was thinking about twin flame stuff because today is relationship Tuesday we're gonna talk about relationships tonight uh, topic is managing your expectations not setting um, expectations that are too high 
but what kind of expectations are actually reasonable in a relationship. So we're going to talk about that tonight because it's something that it it can make or break a relationship or at least put a strain on the relationship. If you put too many, um, you know, you should do this or I need you to do those, you know, those kind of expectations. So we're going to talk about that tonight. But, um, I was thinking about, I was thinking about twin flames and I was thinking about my twin flame and I was thinking about, um, relationships in general today. And, And I was watching the beautiful rainfall and it was wonderful. It was like raining pretty decent. And then all of a sudden it doubled. And then five seconds later, it tripled in strength. There was so much rain in so little time. And then it just went away. And even right now, it's just gently, it's like misty. It's like a misting rain. I love it. It's beautiful. And um, anyway, I was thinking about relationships. And my son looked out the window right when I was I was in the other room thinking about this. And all of a sudden he goes, oh my God, mom, come quick. It's There's a rainbow. I was like, oh my gosh. So we went, I went over to the rainbow. I'm like, there's two rainbows. He's like, yeah. Oh my gosh, it's a twin flame rainbow, of course. So I thought that was pretty cool. And I tried that thing that um, I've been doing with other, you know, like when I look at the sky and there's a certain uh, plasma energy that I see and I pull that into my body and then I see where it's hitting. Like yesterday, the energy is, uh, there's one that was hitting in the solar plexus. So these are the areas in which the cosmos is sending us energy for us to work on. Hit me in the solar plexus. Another energy hit me in the third eye and another one in the throat so that we can speak our truth. And then the purple lavender was crown chakra so we can open up to our divine selves and um, the possibility that everything can exist, that we can manifest whatever we want. So those are the energies we're hitting yesterday. And then today I saw this rainbow and I just pulled it into my body and it went everywhere in my body and I felt like it was the energy of the crystalline light and what our bodies are going to be, you know, the crystalline bodies. So I thought that was uh, uh, pretty cool, actually. Um, I wanted to mention that we probably should send some prayers up, you know, send some love over Reiki over to some people in New Orleans, because even though it was a massive uh, happy day, two people were killed today by floats and this is the most bizarre thing I've heard because check this out um Geraldine Carmouche of New Orleans was 58 years old and died after being struck by a tandem float now a tandem float in New Orleans it's multiple plo- m- multiple floats that are pulled by one tractor so it's like you just can't stop this train baby you know don't get in front of it right so what's weird to me is she's from New Orleans and she knew better I feel like everybody that lives there knows better right they know the danger of this but she's also 58 years old 5 plus 8 equals 13 the number of death then check out the second person so as a woman and then the second person his name is Joseph Sampson also of New Orleans also hit and killed by a tandem float also 
58 years old. Did I just say that? Yeah. So they're both 58. They're both from New Orleans. They're both killed by a tandem float, a double float. I don't know what that means, but there's two 13s there. That, to me, guys, that's a crazy omen. So I I don't know what's going on. After this happened, though, following these two deaths, the city announced a ban on tandem floats, at least for the rest of the season. I guess they're going to figure out what's going on for next year because they need to discuss the parade safety issues. And this is according to the APnews.com. This came over the AP Newswire not that long ago, just within the last couple hours. I mean, children, you know, it's like they throw the beads off, you know, and there's like sections of the parade that are more salacious than others. Parts of the parade route, you know, people are drunk as hell. They're lifting up their shirts. The women are showing their boobies. (laughs) You show the boobies for the good beads. (laughs) I have a friend who went to Mardi Gras and she said, Oh, I am not going to be slutty. I'm no ho. I'm not going to. She's like super judgmental of that. She's like, yeah, I got there and I was like, so judgmental. She's like, I'm not going to do any of that. That is terrible. Like so gross energy. Yuck, you know? And then she got into it and she started drinking and she's like, and someone said, show me your, show me your boobs for the good beads. And she did it. And then right after she's like, oh, it's not so bad. And she ended up with this massive pile of beads. And if you don't do it, they give you the stinky beads. And when you, you, you grab the beads, you put them on, then you, after a while you realize they have a horrible smell after they warm up against your skin. <laughs> so if you have the stinky beads, that means you did not lift your shirt up. Even men that lift their shirts up, it's hilarious. I don't know. But... <laughs> But I, New Orleans is a, is a crazy place. But there are parts where it's only family-oriented. And there's places where families have gone um, for generations. That's like their corner. That's their part of the block. This is reserved for that specific family. Like, it's just apparently been like that for a long, long time. I didn't know that until just this past week I started looking into it. I thought, that's very interesting. So this is very strange. Um, There's a carnival in Germany and they had floats and a lot of the floats have to do with um, racism. They are really upset. They don't like people who are racist. And so they were having anti-racist floats, which I thought was really strange for a celebration of life parade. (laughs) Only in Germany, I guess. And then during the celebration of life (laughs) parade, um, a German man intentionally drove his car into a crowd and killed, or I'm sorry, injured, didn't kill anybody, but he injured 30 people. So I, I don't know why people do what they do or some people, you know, they've got, uh, a screw loose in the bookshelf of their mind <laughs> or maybe they're just not the the brightest crayon in the box I don't know but I don't know I, I just I don't get it I don't get it I don't know why people are the way they are but at least um, I don't think anyone died there I think it was just he tried to kill people that was his intention literally in Germany so people I don't know but send love to the 30 families or the 30 people and their families, the people who were injured. Hopefully they'll recover and they'll be fine. But, um, 
I don't know anymore. It's kind of dangerous to go out and crowd, uh, situations anywhere in the world. Um, I don't really think I feel comfortable with the idea of going out and massive crowds. Like I'd love to take my kids to the Los Angeles County fair. I thought about it. Like what if I could do that this, this coming fall, that would have been so amazing. And it, maybe we still will, but it just seems to me like there's going to be something there. I just feel there are millions of people go there. It, there might be a tragedy. I don't know. Hopefully not, but there's been so many weird things going on, right? So just, if you do happen to have something like this near you, just be really careful. Just be really careful. Stay safe out there. People are strange. People are really strange anymore. So, all right. Um, let's see. According to uh, spaceweather.com, we had 12 fireballs. <laughs> 12 fireballs over the United States. We are still in a no sunspot uh, time. We have now 23 days without a single sunspot. One, a couple tried to formulate and then they just dissipated real quick. Our solar wind speed is 341.9 kilometers per second. It's hardly anything. We're getting zero protection from the sun right now. It's just ridiculous. According to suspicious observers, he did talk about today on his show, he talked about, um, on YouTube, by the way, uh, in 1844, there was a massive, um, I think it was 1844. Now I'm, I'm getting that confused with something else. Hold on. Uh, that is something else. Okay. Yeah. So not 1844. That is this other thing I'm about to talk about anyway. In, I think you said 1870, the, um, magnetic pole shifted rapidly in a year like it's doing right now and that was right after a massive blast hit the earth from the sun back in the 1800s so late 1800s so it's kind of you know we had a wild sun season for a while and now it's just absolutely nothing no sunspots totally blank and our magnetic field has been out of whack the magnetic North Pole just took off running from Canada to Siberia. I don't know if it's already hit Siberia yet, but that's where it was headed. So I thought that was strange. Someone had put this together like, wait a minute, this thing happened, the sun happened, then the magnetosphere thing, like the magnetic North Pole, and now again the same kind of a thing. So he hadn't put it together 100% all the way, but it's a new theory. It's a new, it's a good one. It sounds logical, um, because the earth is protected by the sun and, you know, from cosmic radiation, but we're also at the same time, simultaneously, our magnetosphere is affected by what the sun is or is not doing. So when we have solar winds flowing our way, it's kind of, you know, and today it it hit and tomorrow it will hit a couple hours ago. I felt massive amounts of energy coming in. And I found out there's a thing called, um, let's see, goodness, uh, where is it here? Called air glow. And once you get used to the night sky, you start to see the air glow. But see, you guys, I've been seeing the air glow. And this is like auroras, but it's all over the planet. When the sky doesn't look quite, you know, like its normal color and it's like 
they're saying here that it's green, but I mean, I've been seeing red, purple, blue kind of colors in the sky that, and not a typical blue sky blue, but like crazy, like electric blue, cobalt blue, different colors of blue that just, they're almost, it almost seems to be glowing. And then you could see actual parts of the sky that are normal sky. So it doesn't at all like look, look like this. And this is something that's seen all over the planet. And a lot of times it looks like stripes in the sky. Have you guys seen the stripes in the sky? I know that um, Michelle of uh, Florida sent me a picture of stripes she saw in the sky in Florida last year. And I thought, that is really bizarre. And a week later it happened here, the same exact sky. Pink, blue, pink, blue, pink, blue. It was very strange. It was like a gender reveal party up in the sky. <laughs> it was crazy. It was like, whoa, where, how come the sky is striped? But apparently, and, and, and the stripes go from east to west, and, and they did here for sure. They went from east to west. So, air glow, guys, that, that can be seen all over the planet, and it's similar to the Aurora Borealis, and it's extremely rare to see. But I've been seeing this kind of stuff um, quite a bit over the past two years. So, um, let's see. There was a comet called Atlas that buzzed the Owl Nebula, and Michael Yeager of Austria photographed the flyby last night. He had a little clip of it. I thought that was pretty neat. And... Apparently, Atlas's orbit is very similar to that of the Great Comet of 1844, which was visible in broad daylight when it passed very close to the sun in the 19th century. So it's possible, scientists are speculating, that Comet Atlas might be a fragment of that comet of 1844, and it looks like it's coming back. And they're saying it will probably come back or at least dip inside the orbit of Mercury, only 0.25 astronomical units from the sun on May 31st. So let's, let's, uh, wait around and see. (laughs) We don't have a choice. I, I wonder, I wonder if that's going to affect us somehow, what that energy is going to feel like. The thermosphere climate index is very cold. The neutron counts are very high get a lot of cosmic radiation going on so there's that uh disclosure news.it it's like they only had power 13 again with the 13 oh now i'm spooked because i didn't catch this before remember the ages 58 and 58 they both add up to 13 and here's a third 13 now this is also very strange i think i need to do something about my about my health if this is a message for me because my, my son had a vision the other day that I'm probably going to die this year. But my higher guidance tells me, no, I'm going to be minimum 78 years old. So, which is good. You guys have me around for a while. But then tonight, a massive black butterfly. There are moths here that look like black and brown velvet. And they're huge. And they're absolutely gorgeous. They're, um, well, they're way bigger than hummingbirds. Um... I would say they're about maybe six to seven inches across. 
Um, but some of them get up to 10 inches across and they're beautiful. And this is the time of year that they, that they come well between, um, you know, December and now, and one did not land on my son, but flew in front of him and then landed in the planter right when we got home tonight. And I'm like, it didn't touch you. Right. And he said, no, because see, the thing is (laughs) the last time I saw one of these things land it landed right on my heart and it was huge it was like seven or eight inches across and it landed on my heart and I knew that the biggest death that I would have to endure in this life was about to occur and I knew it was my mom my mom who adopted me and three months later she died so my son's like, look, I had this, th- this thing about you. I, you need to see a doctor and everything closes down. Like they roll up the sidewalks in the middle of the day this week. <laughs> Yay. Celebration of life. Everyone go home. <laughs> Cuenca is like the most conservative town in South America. I swear to God, but <laughs> it's probably why it's also the safest because everyone's at home doing nothing. <laughs> but, um, so anyway, now that's, that's just spooking me because 13 is the number of death and I better be careful, I guess. I need to do something. If you guys want to send me energy, I'm, I'm also tapping into the grid and um, taking my minerals and vitamins and whatnot. But um, it's crazy. I can't believe I went all the way to this expensive store and I was going to buy the vegetables over there and they shut the vegetables the minute I got there 15 minutes early you know like I I was just blown away by that and um, it's just like ah <laughs> I've had like five things to do with death in the last 72 hours so now I'm like kind of a little bit spooked <laughs> Even on my, I don't know if you guys play COVID fashion. I start playing this fashion game where you pick clothing out because I'm really, really bad at dressing myself. And I thought, well, if I do this game, maybe I'll learn a thing or two. <laughs> I could tell you when other people look good or bad, but for myself, I don't, I, I just, it's like, I can't, I'm absolutely like, I don't know. What's the opposite of an idiot savant? Oh, an idiot, I guess. Just a plain idiot. <laughs> idiot savants aren't idiots. I don't know why they use that word. Maybe they just call them savants now. You know, where they're where they're not um, good in most categories, but then in one thing, they're super, like, superb, like, absolute geniuses. And I'm the opposite of that. <laughs> when it comes to fashion, I think if I ever become famous, I need a fashion designer or I need a fashion someone who knows what the hell they're doing. You can tell me something looks good or bad on me because I have no idea. Like I'll pick something and go, oh yeah, I like this. And then I'll look in the mirror and I'm like, what the hell? Why did I buy this? You know, I have a couple things in my closet right now that I'm like, why the hell did I buy that? Like, <laughs> you know, like I have a skirt that I want to wear with combat boots. I just don't know how to dress myself. I really just don't. <laughs> I was joking to my son today. I said, well, like if you wear underneath, if you wear underwear underneath them, boxer shorts, men's boxer shorts, that becomes shorts, right? <laughs> like I could wear these out of the house, right? And he's like, no, 
like, okay, I'll just continue wearing his pajamas, but <laughs> I don't know. These could be shorts, right? I, you know, it's like, no one's going to suspect. I don't know. They look like boxer shorts. <laughs> I really have no fashion sense, but so I tried to play this game and even today it said, um, check out, uh, these ladies that or pick out the, the outfit, the best, um, like is the boldest, most creative design for the, um, I think it's like the angel of death, literally in my COVID fashion game where people were dressing the angel of death. And I've been doing the challenges for three days. I didn't see this challenge, but today I had to pick the one that looked better, you know, like, cause they pit one person against another. You got to pick the one that looks better for the angel of death. I'm like, dude, what? That's insane, right? All these, all of a sudden, death stuff around me. So I didn't look particularly gray. It's not going to be today. I have had a lot of problems breathing lately. So maybe asthma along with the volcanic ash thing. I don't know. Guys, send me some extra energy because maybe I need it. I think I'm going to go downtown tomorrow though and get fresh vegetables from the, directly from the farmers and screw the corporation people, the corporate people that just decide, oh, randomly, we'll close our store at 6.45. You know, it's supposed to be open until 8.30. I don't know. Ugh, people. Even my taxi driver had a weird, like, he drove me all the way over there and, and he picked a lady up um, on the way to where we're going. And she happened to be going exactly where we're going, which is weird. What are the odds? And, um, so we're in the car and, um, and she, um, said she's going to the same place. And we're like, Oh good. We can, you know, compartir, you know, we'll share. So we get there and she expected me to pay for the whole cap. I'm like, and I asked her, do you have a dollar? Cause if it wasn't for us, she would have to pay two fifty or, or two, whatever. And it was $2.13. So I gave the guy $1.13 and asked her to pay for a dollar because we're sharing the cab. You know, it took us an extra you know, like 30 cents for her to get in the car, you know, and I, I just felt like it's only fair. You know, I'm saving her a dollar. She's saving me a dollar. Bada boom, bada bing. I paid a little bit more because I was in the car a little bit longer. And the cab driver started yelling at me over two pennies because he said the fare was 215 and I said no it's 213 look at it it says 213 I gave you 113 she's gonna give you a dollar because we're compartier you made a share and he was like yelling at me over that and he's like he put his arm in the way of my son getting out of the cab and I'm like come on let's go she could pay the dollar it's only one dollar and then he started freaking out over two pennies I'm like, whoa, this day's a celebration of life and you're freaking out over two pennies. Oh, again. Yeah. And two thirteen. I mean, my part was 13, 13 cents, death, number of death again. So I don't know guys, <laughs> if this is it for me, I love you. <laughs> it's been real. <laughs> uh it's been real. It's been fun. Hasn't been real fun. Not every day anyway. <laughs> it is what it is. 
Oh God. We'll see if there's more coming up. I'm, I still have more numbers to look at right now for heart math Institute, heartmath.org. I mean, okay. Well, um, you have to say Hulului, South Africa at 1700, um, like two days ago, they got up to 550 on Sunday. That was their peak. 550. So I want you guys to keep that in mind because where they ended up today, crazy. These are crazy numbers. And by the way, today is my half birthday. Yay! 25th of February, and that's six months to my birthday, or six months from my birthday, however you look at it. So it's pretty exciting. I think we just entered into Pisces. The sun sign Pisces, right? Or if it's maybe it's tomorrow, it starts. That's pretty cool. All right. Um, California started off at midnight at 34 hertz frequency on the Schumann resonance scale. By 5 a.m., they were at 34. Oh, these these numbers are weird today. I just noticed a lot of these look like straight lines all the way across. Um, Hope Saudi Arabia is a straight line all the way across at a flat line of zero, 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 all the way from, uh, kind of midday, the 22nd of February. So for three days, they've been at absolute zero. Uh, Lithuania started off at 107, 107 at midnight by 5 AM. They were at 105 Hertz frequency. Remember, 40 is the fifth dimension. So, uh, Alberta, Canada, they were at 47 hertz frequency at midnight. And by 5 a.m., they went down to 46. Not a whole lot. They're just going down by one, most of these. In Northland, New Zealand, they start off at 49 hertz frequency at midnight. By 5 a.m., they were at 44 hertz frequency. And in... Hulului, South Africa, they started off at 55 hertz frequency, but by 5 a.m. they were at zero. Wow, that's a massive plummet. Like, from um, the 23rd until the 25th, it went from 550 down to zero. I wonder if there's like civil unrest over there or... Are the people sick or like what's happening in Hulului? If you live in that area, let me know if there's, I mean, are the people meditating all the time? Are there going crazy? Are there locusts? Is there something massively crazy going on over there? Because the numbers of the Schumann resonance in that area is absolutely just, it's crazy. It's crazy. When everyone else is kind of an even-ish keel and they're all below 200, and Hulului's been for many, many days well above 200, and in some cases almost to 800, and this week 550. That's huge. That's huge. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I don't know. Uh, before we get into a Course in Miracles lesson, um, I want to let you know I have registered Metaphysical Soul Speak the podcast at podcastawards.com and the voting, the nominations will not be available for five months, 
But if you have a calendar on your iPhone or on your Android-based phone or in your internet email situation and you want to put it in your calendar for the first week of July to nominate Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast, for a People's Choice Awards for the category Religion and Spirituality, starting on the 1st of July, you'll be able to see the show, you'll be able to vote for me, and that way we'll be able to get the word out about the show. So I'm really excited about this, guys. Even if I don't win, I'm going to get more listeners just by your voting. And it's super easy. It'll only take a couple minutes, maybe even less than one minute. And starting in July, you can help me out that way. And it's absolutely free. I had to pay $25 to register the show. But I think it's worth it to get the word out. So, you know, for me, it's like an advertising thing. But it would be really cool. I just found out, I thought it was going to be a trophy, like um, like a picture of a trophy. Because they say if you make the final cut, you have to send in a 90-second video um, accepting the award. So I have to make a video of myself accepting an award. Oh my God, so embarrassing. And, and uh, then you send that in so that when you do, like when they do it live... They will show you winning the award, I guess, on the live show. And they actually have a trophy that they actually send, a physical trophy. Because the last award I won was a little tiny GIF. (laughs) It was so cute, and I love it, and I have it on my desktop, actually. (laughs) And it said, Top 5 Metaphysical Shows, or Podcasts, something like that. But this is going to be big if it's possible um, for me to get enough nominations. So just put it in your calendars. Just go ahead and pop it in your calendars now for the first week of July so that you can nominate me. And I'll be so grateful, you guys. I'll try to come up with something. Maybe I'll do like a meditation or maybe a creative visualization. And anyone who nominates me, you'll get that. I'll send it to you, um, in your email for free. So if you could show me proof, but we'll get to all of that when we get to, um, when we get to July. So we have time, we have plenty of time. So it's like in four months. So um, I just want to remind you so that you guys could put it in your calendar. Yay. So I'm going to keep reminding you. And then when we get more towards that time, I'm going to put, um, more information about it in July, along with the link of where to go, um, to nominate the show. So, okay. We are, uh, for the foundation of inner peace, foundation for inner peace, but we, <clears throat> we are on lesson 241 and you can read along or find this yourself for later at acim.org. And this is in the workbook. They have lessons for every day of the year for one full year. And obviously we started 241 days ago. Should have started when I first started the show, but I didn't think about it until 241 days ago. (laughs) So, well, we're doing it now. Better late than never, right? It's always on time though. When you get these lessons, it's when you need them the most. 
So if you want to get a Course in Miracles app, you could go to your iTunes store or your Google Play store. And for the most part, that's uh, it, there's a whole bunch of them. They're all free too. So this information is always free and I love that. If you want to buy the book, it's like 60 bucks in a used bookstore. You know, I think it's like maybe, well, it's a lot more when it's fresh and new, but if you can afford it, why not? I love these books. I really do. All right. So lesson 241 is this, this holy instant is salvation come. This holy instant is salvation come. What joy there is today. It is a time of special celebration for today holds out the instant to the darkened world where its release is set. The day has come when sorrows pass away and pain is gone. The glory of salvation dawns today upon a world set free. This is the time of hope for countless millions. They will be united now as you forgive them all. For I will be forgiven by you today. We have forgiven one another now, and so we come at last to you again, Father. Your Son, who never left, returns to heaven and his home. How glad are we to have our sanity restored to us and to remember that we all are one. This holy instant is salvation come. All right, guys, it just gives me the chills every single time when the lesson, which I haven't even read until right when I read it to you guys, is the first time I've read it, It's so weird that this always aligns with what I was saying at the beginning. And we're talking about Mardi Gras, which is a celebration. It's a special day. Lots of joy, lots of special celebration. It's so strange, right? And it's a time for hope for countless millions. That's what Carnival and Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday, Shrove Tuesday, that's what it's all about. Very... Oh, very cool. I love the way the universe works, don't you? It's amazing to me. All right, so putting our number 13s and black butterflies aside. (laughs) Oh, this is not the first time I have faced potential death. And if it comes and I get a choice, I'm going to say no. No. Sorry, so sorry. Won't be dying today, folks. (laughs) You guys know that, I hope you understand that we have five exit points on average. Some people have more, some people have less, but I think we all have about five exit points in which we could say, enough is enough, screw this crap. I'm going home to the enlightened world of light in the seventh dimension where we belong, where we are usually, unless we decide to have lives on earth, we come to this world and dimension of insanity. 
<laughs> you know, we have five exit points and we could say yes, we could say no. We say yes, we die. To all the people we left behind, they think we're dead. Even though clearly we're never going to die. That's an illusion. But we also could say yes, we'll live through it. And then we have to face the consequences of whatever the hell just happened. So, like, if you're in a car accident and you say yes, then you end up to deal with the aftermath of that. <laughs> but if you are in a car accident and you decide, no, I'm staying. No, I'm staying. No, I'm stay. Get it? Namaste. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> when you decide to stay, now you have to deal with, like... Maybe being in a coma, maybe being in the hospital, maybe going through frickin' pain and dealing with bills and dealing with uh, physical therapy and rehab, yada, yada, yada. But hey, that was an exit point and you didn't take it. And I've been through, I think, four. So if I have an exit point this time, I'm going to say... As much as I want to stay in heaven, as much as I want to go back and see all of my family and friends who've died, which is, I have more people on the other side than I do here now, but, um, nah, nah, I'm gonna stay. <laughs> damn it, I'm probably going to stay, <sighs> so frustrating to die and then come back and you're like, I was so happy. I was so filled with joy. I had so much love. I felt great. I knew the answer to every question I ever had in this lifetime. And then I have to squeeze my big, glorious, gorgeous soul into this teeny tiny body with all of its problems and pains and complaints, annoyances. It's so frustrating. (laughs) Being here is frustrating. But since we are all either in the fifth dimension already or about to be, it is getting a little better. I do feel the energy shifting like, thank God, there's a transformation taking place. I did see a butterfly cloud today, a a cloud shaped like a butterfly. It was a a gray, dark, dark gray butterfly (laughs) In in a sea of white clouds. It was very, maybe that was another symbol of death. I better quit while I'm ahead. (laughs) All right, you guys, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, we're going to talk about for the month of love, (laughs) Relationship Tuesday, we're going to talk about expectations in relationships right after this message. According to Webster's Dictionary, the word expectation is a noun. In Latin, it comes from the word expectatio, (laughs) the act of expecting or looking forward to a future event with at least some reason to believe the event will happen 
Now expectation differs from hope, they say. Hope is directed to some good. Expectation is directed to good or evil. According to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the definition of expectation is this. They say uh, English language learners definition of expectation is this. So I guess (coughs) people learning English for the first time, (laughs) this is how they would describe it to them. A belief that something will happen or is likely to happen. A feeling or a belief about how successful or good, etc. someone or something will be. That's a little bit more, a little bit more directed towards what we're going to talk about tonight. Okay. Um, all right. So we have to know that when you have expectations in a relationship, we're talking romantic relationships tonight, but you can stretch this a little and apply it to all of your relationships because having expectations that are reasonable keeps everybody feeling emotionally safe. Having expectations that are beyond belief, out of control, wild, or unreasonable keeps everybody walking on eggshells and it makes them feel very emotionally uncomfortable. And it leads towards the breakdown of communication as well as the relationship itself. So expectations need to be kept in certain areas, deleted in other areas, and managed correctly in all areas. So... For managing expectations, this is what I wrote. These are my own notes, okay? So, number one, set your expectations before you get into a relationship at all. If you're single right now. So, basically, I expect to be treated with respect. I expect to be treated with kindness greeted with a smile with maybe joy or happiness even if the other person is going through something hard they're at least relieved or happy to see me that doesn't seem too unreasonable to expect and I expect the same thing out of myself that I expect out of others that's also what it should be You shouldn't expect the other person to be happy-go-lucky all the time and expect you to be a miserable slob and sometimes happy-go-lucky, right? But you also can't expect someone's emotions to always be the same either. You know, but you could reasonably expect, okay, look, I'm having a really hard day. I'm really angry. These things are happening. But you know what? (sighs) Thank God you're here. A little nod, a little, you know... Maybe they don't want to talk, but maybe they could kiss your head or, you know, just some little tiny gesture so that you understand that you're wanted in that moment, right? Or you're wanted, period. 
I don't think that's too unreasonable, but you set what your boundaries are, which if you don't know about setting boundaries, go back to last February. I did put four really amazing, um, I think they were good, um, episodes about this, um, about boundaries and toxic relationships, um, sociopaths and narcissists. Oh my. (laughs) So yeah. So, all right. So basically if you can, in an ideal world, an ideal setting, (laughs) you will set your boundaries, your expectations before you're ever in a relationship so that if you meet somebody and they call you a stupid B word, (laughs) whether you're a man or a woman, then boop, sorry, because that should be basic common courtesy, you know, basic, um, respect, you know, that's a boundary as well as it should be an expectation. So I think now I've heard that, uh, setting expectations will lead you to disappointment. I've heard that setting expectations will, uh, lead to resentment. I've heard that if you set your expectations too high, you become an impossible person to please. So you should lower your expectations or have none, and then you'll never be disappointed. But I I think more highly of myself than that. And I think you should too. I think that we ought to have high expectations. We should expect a lot out of ourselves and expect a lot out of our potential partner that we hope to share a lifetime with. Ideally, you know, if you're getting into a relationship that's going to be serious and lead towards a partnership, a lifelong commitment, you know, whether it's a legal marriage or just a community based acknowledged marriage, such as sometimes in Islam, you know, um, for example, uh, or if you're in a place where you're, um, gay and gay marriage is not legal yet, you could still have a commitment ceremony and and expect that for all intents and purposes, you know, this is a real true marriage, whether it's illegal or not, isn't the issue because a commitment is a commitment of the heart. It's not a commitment between you, your partner, and the government. It's not a commitment between you, your partner, and their wallet either, or your wallet either. (laughs) We'll get to that in a minute. Um, So set your expectations for your life, for yourself. Set them high. High standards. You know? Expect that your partner will be dressed at the dinner table and not in his underwear, (laughs) you know, you know, I mean, set your standards high. (laughs) It's not too much to ask that they bathe at least every three days. (laughs) And if they smell sooner than that, they should bathe every day or every other day. Right. But also so should you. Set your expectations for yourself, especially if you're single, set your expectations for yourself high. 
Your hair should never look greasy. You should always be clean. You should brush your teeth every day. Ideally, in an ideal world, you should floss your teeth every day. I know I don't, so, you know, I don't blame me if you don't either, but my expectations are high as far as I will brush my teeth three times a day. I always do. Sometimes four or five, actually. (laughs) You know, I have standards for myself. Like, every day I will make my bed. Every day I will drink water. Every day I will have at least one meal. I don't, I never have an appetite. So for me, that's one of my expectations of myself. Every day I'll brush my teeth. Every day I'll make some kind of contact with another human being. Um, You know, every day I, I speak with my son. Every day I talk to people online, even if it's just for a couple minutes, at least I'm making some sort of contact with people. That's one of my expectations for myself as a interviewed, interviewed, inter, introverted, introverted human being. That was a hard word to say. Okay. <laughs> but as far as relationships in this, and you could do this for friendships too. I want to have a friendship. This is what I expect. I expect that they get back to me in a reasonable amount of time. Not in 10 minutes, but if it's within 72 hours, I consider that to be a friend. If I write to them and I don't hear from them for three and a half weeks and I hear through the grapevine they were literally doing nothing or going out with everyone and their uncle, then they're not my friend, right? Or they don't want to be. (laughs) You know, so you could set... Set your, your expectations, I think, set them high. Not impossibly high. Just treat me with love. Treat me with respect. Answer my um, text messages. Set an appointment to see each other once a month. That's not too hard to ask. You know, for a friendship. For a relationship, I mean, once a week in the beginning, right? Now, if you're already in a relationship and you haven't done this, maybe you should start to reevaluate what your expectations are should be which expectations you have that haven't really been making the mark it's making everyone walk on eggshells not feel good maybe we need to delete those expectations it's never too late to revamp and revitalize your relationship so that your partner feels better you feel better and ultimately you grow closer in love closer in communication closer in unity and unification with each other that's what a relationship is by the way you want to relate to one another you're in a ship together (laughs) you know it's like we're in this boat together we're in a relationship so ideally you have to figure out you know who's directing the sail who's directing who's steering the boat Are you take turns, you know, you got to figure this stuff out. So real relationship expectations. This is really important. So, okay. Um, when you're setting your relationship expectations, don't keep them to yourself. Now, if you set it before you meet the person and then you start going out, there's some basic ones that ought to be unspoken. Like treat me nicely. I don't mean lavish me with a bunch of gifts every time we see each other, but, you know, don't call me the B word. You know what I mean? Be nice to me. Be nice. Listen to what I have to say. Hear me and listen to me. 
you know, and also I expect myself to do the same for you. And if I'm not, you got to let me know because maybe I'm not being a good listener. Maybe my ADHD is out of control today because my heart is where I want to, my heart is in that right place where I want to listen, right? So you have to talk about some of those issues as well, right? So, um, let's see, what do I have here? So what I wrote here is as far as your expectations are concerned, you have to give as good as you get and you have to expect as good as you give. I'm going to say that again, give as good as you get and expect as good as you give. So if I'm going to anticipate your needs, you know, like I, I see that you look thirsty and I could get up and get you a glass of water cause you're working. But when I'm working, if I look thirsty, I want you to give me a glass of water. Don't just ignore that when it's obvious, you know, and some of the, and that might be out of control. That might be too much of an expectation, but <clears throat> you know, six o'clock is rolling around. You know me, we've been together all day. <clears throat> you know, I get cranky when I don't eat and I haven't eaten all day. Anticipate, anticipate my needs. You see, I'm working on a project. Do I need to stop or do I need to push through the night? Cause the projects do manage, you know, that section of my life for me. Hey babe, I see that you're working really hard. You probably don't feel like cooking dinner. And I've noticed we don't have much in the house. Shall I order from Fabiano's? Do you feel like pizza or shall we get Chinese food? I'll pay for it. My treat tonight, right? That kind of a thing, you know, like anticipate the other person's needs. That's like kind of an example. I don't expect, you know, to eat out every day or whatever, but you know, once in a while, it's nice for the other person to go, Oh wow. You don't look like you feel so hot right now. Maybe we shouldn't go grocery shopping together. Maybe right now we should just get Indian food. I'll call them. That's actually what I did with my son yesterday. Um, we had, we have this friend from, from the Philippines and she makes the most fantastic food and she just makes it in her kitchen, in her apartment. And she has Uber Eats come and pick them up the food and they deliver it anywhere. It's so amazing. And and she made me fried chicken and broccoli and mashed potatoes yesterday. It was fantastic. And the fried chicken breading was like oatmeal. Cause she even, she's, she holds this high standards for her family and she doesn't want to give anyone wheat. She knows what wheat can do to people. I thought how sweet, like she anticipated the whole world's needs when she created her menu. You know, I love people like that. She's very thoughtful, very sweet. <coughs> anyway, um, number two, communication is key when you're managing your expectations. So you have to let your partner know what you're looking for in a partner, what you're looking for to be happy and to allow your life to flow in a smooth and tranquil way. You have to let them know about your needs, your wants, and your expectations. When I was first dating my near twin flame, I thought he was my twin flame for the longest time. When we first met and we had known each other about three or four days, 
I mean, from the day we started seeing each other, we saw each other almost, I think, every single day for eight months. Even before we kissed each other. It was, like, weird. It was, like, we just had to know each other really well. And we loved each other's company. It was incredible being around each other. The energy was intense. It was really nice. And, um, but he used to chew tobacco and really bad. He was like, he had like a spit bottle with him with a lid on it. And he carried it throughout the whole day. It was so nasty. It was the worst habit. And I said, you know, I like, after I knew him like three days and he called me like eight o'clock in the morning and he said, um, I woke up late and I need a ride to school. Can you give me a ride to school? Sure. Of course I can. Not a problem. So on the way to school, he was spitting into this thing. And I just looked at him and I said, you know, you're a really beautiful person inside and out. I could see you take care of your body, except in this one area. And I don't expect anything from you. But if this ever developed into a relationship in which one day I get to kiss those beautiful lips of yours... I got to tell you something, man. I, I kind of have an expectation that you won't be chewing the cha anymore. But it's completely up to you whether we ever get there or not. And I'm okay being friends and never kissing you. But I think it would be a shame to waste that opportunity. Because I, I'm finding that I do like you more and more every time we see each other. And I mean, just, you should have seen the look on his face. Like his jaw, like fell to the ground. He had to pick it up with it. He had to pick it up with both hands. Practically. It was just like no one had ever spoken to him that way. And then like in consequent, you know, consequential, like, you know, conversations later, it was like, you know, someday I hope I find a person who loves me and respects me. And, and I expect to be treated really nicely really nice like no violence no uh, verbal abuse no um, you know all these things to me are no-nos I I just don't want this in my world you know because I'm going to be very loving and very sweet to the person that I end up in a relationship with and I mean it's just like he took my conversation of what I wish would happen in my life and he kind of implemented that. And it took us eight months to even get to that relationship thing. And then we were together about a year and a half after that, after we were fully together. And then um, it didn't work out, obviously. But um, I noticed that when I talk in general terms, that was a good way to conversate about the expectations before you're in a relationship. So if you're in that situation, but if you're already in a relationship, say, look, I've noticed that I have expectations about some things and I don't think they're unreasonable in these areas, but in those other areas they might be. So, hey, let's have a conversation about it. You know, so communication though, just what are their needs? You know, I met a couple, um, well, I was really good friends with them and his need was he, he wanted to have sex all the time. But her need was to rest because she had an illness that made her sick. She barely had the energy to have sex. Like maybe once a week, she could muster the energy to do it. And she felt bad. And I negotiated this deal with them 
I, they are like, look, you, you want to, you have a degree in psychology. You have a degree in human sexuality. Come on over. I'm like, I'm not an official counselor guys. And they said, it doesn't matter. You have the knowledge. And so I came up with a plan. Okay. Well, he's very visual. Let's take, you know, why not let, not me. I'm not part of this, but I'm like, you know, I told her, why don't you take one day and dress in very sexy outfits and have him take pictures of you. He can have an album where he could feel like he's participating with you and you don't have to be in the room even, or you could be, and he could, you know, do it himself. <laughs> it's his DIY kit <laughs> that includes you. Cause she was also saying, well, he wants to look at magazines and I'm not comfortable with that. Like, what if he makes his own magazine of you? Oh, well, there's something like now you got to make sure <laughs> it's never going to fall into the wrong hands. Keep it in a locked box, you know, something. And that was like a solution. And they're like, oh, and then that way both of their needs were met. He felt loved and wanted because she did that for him. Made that crazy little hot, sexy sacrifice. But she also got her sleep that she needed for her health to get better. So, you know, compromises is a part of it. Communication is a part of it. And you can't expect your partner to have sex with you every day for the rest of your life. (laughs) You know, it's just not reasonable. And, you know, you can't expect that you're never going to have sex either. Like, you know, you have to, it's got to be reasonable. Yeah. And that goes with everything, you know, everything, everything. Um, number three is, uh, make sure that your expectations aren't too unreasonable. It makes sure they're not too high, 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 super high expectations and make sure that they're not impossible to keep. If you expect your partner to make you dinner every single night, um, so, so sorry, honey, that's not going to happen. That is an unreasonable, too high and impossible expectation. Why? Maybe he'll be visiting his family. Maybe there'll be an emergency. Maybe he'll be sick. You know, maybe she's a really terrible cook and you forgot to ask about that when you got together. Maybe it's still new and you didn't know that. (laughs) Maybe she has other plans for her life than being your slave, right? (laughs) You know, (laughs) he, she doesn't matter. You know, gender is a, is a social construct anyway, but you know, but this is, you got to make sure that what you're asking, what you're expecting, not only let your partner know what you're expecting. So they could tell you, uh, that's a little unreasonable, yo. That one's not going to happen, you know? And then you could go, oh, admit it, admit it when you're wrong. Admit it when your expectations were too high, you know? Number four, definitely have expectations in the following areas. How they treat you and how you treat them. Expect yourself to treat them with love and kindness, generosity, and respect. Remember, give as good as you get. Expect as good as you give. Now, have expectations in these areas, okay? Uh, Basic courtesy, (laughs) you know, politeness. It goes a long way. Basic courtesy. You know, they have to be at work at seven 30 on the nose. 
don't hop in the shower at 7 a.m. when you don't have to be at work till 9 a.m. Basic courtesy, common courtesy. Don't use the last of the toothpaste and let it hang and expect them to get it without telling them. Go out and buy the damn toothpaste. Right? Walmart's open 24 hours, guys, in in the United States. And convenience stores, too. Gas stations also. Now, here in Ecuador, everything rolls up. The sidewalks, they don't exist after 7.30. (laughs) Uh, I mean, actually, the neighborhood store, they close at 10. And then the the gas station, which is like an extra block away, is um, it closes at midnight. And so my son and I, we always know, like, where we can go for what. If we're cooking late at night, we we have to go to the gas station. And it's weird. They have this amazing spice rack. They have, like... 30 or 40 spices, like almost everything you would ever need for every kind of food imaginable, whether it's Creole or, or Indian food or Mexican food, they've got you covered. It's like, it's like an amazing convenience store. This also the gas station. It's like weird, but a really good store. But, um, but the basic courtesy, you know, like if you run out of something and you know, for a fact, you're going to need it tomorrow, you know, make an effort to go get it, you know, or make, you know, or tell your partner if they are already going to the store, have the common courtesy to tell them, Hey, we need this. Can you pick up the olive oil tonight? I wanted to make you dinner and I realized we just ran out of olive oil. You already going to the store. Hey, you know, but I think that's common courtesy. I mean, don't like assume they know what's going on and then they come home with all the groceries. They did all the work all day. Then did the groceries, came home, and they were excited that you were going to cook, and then you and you, you jumped down their throat because, oops, they forgot the olive oil that you never told them to get, right? So common courtesy. Expect that from yourself to yourself and to them and expect it to you from them as well. So relationship boundaries. This is huge. Expect the boundaries to be abided by. And what I mean by relationship boundaries, um, if you are married, it should be reasonable to assume and expect that they will come home at night, every night. That's what a marriage is. Now, I mean, you know, if your love of your life is an actor and they're going to shoot a movie, you know, over in Paris for six weeks, that's okay. Then you make other arrangements and expectations during that time, you know, and if your relationship boundaries include, um, that you can have other lovers when you're on business trips, you should expect that, that condoms are involved or dental dams or whatever, that safety is number one priority in the relationship. And if the expectation is they're not going to sleep with anyone else and you aren't either, that's a very high expectation. And that's a positive one that should definitely be in place. Nobody needs AIDS, right? Nobody needs syphilis or gonorrhea. No one needs this crap. You know, to me, that's beyond common courtesy, but that's a relationship boundary and you should have a high expectation as far as your relationship boundaries are concerned. You know, like if you are 
a man and a woman and you're both bisexual, maybe you have a relationship boundary that you cannot cheat with the opposite gender, but you can um, sleep with the same gender. You know, I've met couples that do that and that's okay. If that's okay for them. Like my, my old sex therapy teacher, she said, um, there's nothing wrong with what goes on behind closed doors with the two or three or five people involved. (laughs) It's no one else's business. It's their private life. As long as they all agree and they're reasonably happy to do whatever is going to go on in there. Right. Relationship boundaries. So, and that also it's, it also that's time, not just with others in the way that other, you know, people play in as a factor, but the time boundaries of, are they going to come home for dinner? And if not, are they going to call? That's reasonable. That's okay. And also, um, you know, in, in, if they say, look for the rest of my life, Tuesday night's going to be playing poker with the guys or, or bowling with the girls, whatever. That's okay. As long as you have it set up, what your wants and your needs and your likes, dislikes and your expectations beforehand, or if you set new boundaries, that's okay, but you got to do it together. Got to agree and really mean it in order for the relationship to work. So, um, so time with others also. So it is an unreasonable and too high of an expectation to think that your husband is not going to have female friends. And it is an unreasonable and too high of an expectation for your husband to believe that you're not going to have male friends if you if you're in a heterosexual couple or whatever your gender is like whatever the person is attracted to so if you're you know a lesbian couple you can't say uh yo honey you can't have any other female friends now because we're together and i don't trust you if there's no trust there's no relationship period so the way i look at it it's like (laughs) That's your body. Those are your genitals. You can decide what to do with them. It has nothing to do with me. But if you use them to do something with someone else that I don't like, I don't need to stay in the relationship, right? <laughs> but I'm not going to get mad at you for using your body in the way you want to. I'm just going to be mad at myself for trusting you, you know, if you're untrustworthy, right? If I made that mistake. If I set up the healthy boundary and the relationship expectation and you agreed to it and then you know and I don't want to hear we were on a break Ross (laughs) we were on a break (laughs) I think that was like a discussion literally in the very last episode of friends how many years did that go on (laughs) the same argument it was hysterically funny because we weren't in it but financial baseline Agreement. Uh, I think that's the word agreement. Yeah, I think it is. So you have to agree on a financial baseline in your relationship. That's okay to have a high expectation in that. Like <clears throat> if you are the person who wants to stay home and be the stay-at-home dad or the stay-at-home mom and you want to raise the kids and the other person, your partner, before you met already had a very high-paying career, or already had money from their family and it's okay financially for that to happen and you both agree and you have expectations of each other there's nothing wrong with that 
when I got together with my husband of 13 years, God rest his soul, our agreement was that <clears throat> because he was disabled, retired, that we would both stay home. And we, if we were going to work, we would work from home. We'd make money from home because we wanted to be together with each other for as long as we have the time. We wanted to share and celebrate every day together because you never know when today will be your last. And that was a philosophy we raised our children with and we were stay-at-home parents, both of us. We were very, very lucky and therefore very grateful. We were poor as hell, but it was, I wouldn't have had it any other way. I'd rather have hardly any money and have the love and the life and the moments I had with my kids than to have had a career and miss out on everything. You know, so that was, I sacrificed the idea of having a career so that I could spend the time with my kids. So that was an expectation that we both had. But you can't expect that once you're together, your partner's going to pay for everything and you're going to pay for nothing. You know, like, you want them to say to you, mi casa es su casa, and, you know, that means everything else too. Like theirs is not just, it's like, like what someone told me once, my wife says to me, this guy says, my wife says to me, my money is my money and your money is my money. (laughs) All of the money in the house is mine. You know, um, that's unreasonable and too high of an expectation that will ruin the relationship eventually. It will crack under the pressure of that. And you don't want your relationship to crack under the pressure of that. So the financial baseline, the, the boundaries there, like what, what money are you going to bring to the table? What money am I going to bring to the table? Um, how much money are we going to keep in the bank? That's an expectation. We need to have three months worth of living always in the bank at all times. We're not going to spend it. That's an expectation. And it's not unreasonable. We have to make sure we have three months to pay for our lives comfortably in the bank in case that something happens. What if you get sick? What if I lose my job? You gotta, you gotta account for all that. You can't expect that everything's going to be safe. And then your partner goes off and takes all the money in the bank because he wants to buy porn now, porn stash. That actually happened to me once. When I was like 19 years old, my boyfriend took all the money I had saved in the bank and bought a stack of, well, not a stack, 22 or 23 boxes of dirty magazines. And it was his goal to masturbate to every single magazine and then give them away to charity. And it was my money. It was my money that I had earned from a job. Like how completely, he was a narcissist, obviously, completely ridiculous person. So while he was busy playing with himself at home, I started dating other men. <laughs> I didn't have a, a relationship. I didn't have physical contact with the other men. But I said, I, I'm making friends, men that are treating me nice. They're taking me out to dinner. We're walking on the beach. All the things I wish you would have been for me. See, I had reasonable expectations and he had absolutely none for me. It was a very bad relationship. This is why I'm telling you guys this stuff now because, oh my God, learn from like my bad stories and my bad relationships. Learn. If I could tell you my crap that happened, <laughs> you know, have reasonable expectations. Okay, so 
Communication regularly. Have a time where you're going to sit down and talk. Maybe it's, you know, every uh, Sunday afternoon. Maybe it's, you know, Thursday night, so you have the weekend free. Hey, it's Thursday night. You know what? Let's talk about, did everything go well this week? Did I do everything well? Did, did Were we good? Did I communicate well? Is there anything I dropped the ball on and can I improve myself? Is, is there anything that you dropped the ball on? You know? You know, I didn't like it when you uh, didn't take care of the laundry on Wednesday like you said you're going to. That put me out and then I had to do not only your laundry but also my laundry and then, you know, it, it, and I stayed up extra time and then Thursday I was tired at work. Like, that's an example. I've seen couples fight over laundry. Just have a normal, reasonable conversation. You owe that to yourself and you owe that to your partner and they owe it to you as well. But you don't have to get upset or angry about anything. Just go, well, this happened and, and I didn't like that. Okay. All right. Cool. Have a talking stick if you must. Decorate it really beautiful. Put feathers on it and beads. <laughs> Glitz it up. Bling it out. Have a talking stick. <laughs> Just like a Grace and Frankie. Frankie has a talking stick. You know, especially if you have a habit of interrupting them or they have a habit of interrupting you. A talking stick, the rule is whoever holds a stick can talk. And then they can give it over to the other person. And that actually uh, helps you to manage your, your motor mouth if you have ADHD. <laughs> it does help. So you have to have basic standards for each other and for yourself. And the basic standards should be like your physical upkeep of your body. You know, um, eating Doritos every single day of your life, not having a vegetable probably is going to lead to some really serious health complications. So I expect you in a relationship with me that you're going to eat something green once in a while, you know, and it's not going to be the lime chili chips down at the corner gas station. You know, it's not going to be a Midori lemon liqueur. Okay. Cause ugh, first of all, that stuff is gross. And second of all, yeah, just no. <laughs> It's not going to be the green apple, sour, you know, sour apple, uh, now and laters, you know, eat, eat some broccoli once in a while, eat a Brussels sprout for Christ's sake, eat, eat some celery, have some, you know, have some pride in, in your body and, and, you know, encourage that in your partner too. encourage it. You know, encouragement is different than expectation. Encouraging something allows it to grow. Forcing something to grow might, it might not grow. If you try to force a plant to grow and you're watering it, you know, and you're every five minutes you're watering it around the clock and you're putting it under a harsh light, it's going to die. If you give it a little bit of water, that's a little bit of encouragement. Allow it to go out on its own, you know, to be on its own. Allow the sun to shine on a few hours a day and then it needs to sleep at night. You know, just encourage it a little bit, you know, and do the same thing with your partner, all your relationships should be like that so how do you show up in public together this is an expectation this is an arena or area you should have an expectation how are you going to behave in public is it okay with you if you're gonna get wild and crazy and flirt with other people and um, drink a lot and do drugs and just have the time of your life and wear the lampshade on your head and forget where the hell you put your pants? 
Is that the kind of relationship you're okay with? And you're both okay with that? Well, okay, fine. I'm not going to judge. But is your relationship expectation that your partner is not going to act like that? You might want to tell them before you go to your first party together. If you're new in the relationship. You know, like I expect my husband not to sleep with somebody at the party. For example. I expect that the only nudity between he and I are going to be with us and no one else. That's not unreasonable. Has to be spoken of in in advance though. Because some people don't know. Some people don't have the boundaries you have. Some people don't have the lifestyle that you grow up in. You know what I mean? So, how are you going to behave in public together? You can be open and friendly and outgoing, but maybe it's not okay to hold hands with the the gender you're attracted to. Maybe it's not okay to um, go off and have an intimate conversation with wine in a corner with someone you find attractive at a party. I don't think that's uh, okay. You know, but maybe you have a different idea than me and that's okay. We're all different. But so manage your expectations in advance. Have the communication and conversation about that. How are we going to act? You know, like, are we going to go around telling everybody we're vegan? We're a vegan couple. We love the high quality vibration of the food we're eating. And then you're going to eat a piece of chicken in public. Make me look like an asshole or an idiot, you know, or a fool. Like, no, right? But you also have to expect that your personal identity should not be wrapped up in the other person anyway. If they decide to eat chicken, that's their body. That's okay. They can do that. You know, but you got to kind of have that solidarity front to keep your relationship intact, I think. So, all right. Number five, avoid disappointment and failure by not setting expectations in these following arenas. Uh, Number one, don't expect your partner to fix you. And don't expect them to fix your past. (sighs) That's huge. And, and, And don't expect that you're going to fix them or that you're going to fix their past. That's for a qualified, licensed psychotherapist and in some cases psychiatrist if their past was really bad. But don't expect that you're going to fix your partner and don't expect them to change for you. Uh, If they're chronically late, this is a problem that a lot of couples have. If they are chronically late, a half hour to an hour late every meeting, don't ever expect them to be on time. And if you have to, sometimes you have to tell a little white lie. So, um, oh yeah, the party starts at five o'clock. When it really starts at eight, <laughs> you know, sometimes you have to, and sometimes that's a deal breaker for a lot of people. Um, I know people who that became a problem, you know, cause you feel like you're not respected and that's a matter of respect. And sometimes that person, if they have that problem with the never on time thing, I used to have it when I was a teenager. And when I got into my twenties, 
I corrected my behavior because someone explained to me that when you're never on time, you're telling the other person that their time is not worth anything and your time is more important than theirs. I didn't know that. I just was running late because I'm in my own head. I'm like a Mr. Magoo sometimes. Like I don't see the things around me. You know, it was never my intention for the other person to think that. But when I realized other people do think that, I felt so bad that I never was not on time again. (laughs) You know, like at the cooking class last week, we were like 10 minutes late. And it drove me crazy. My my son and I weren't, it was very early in the morning. We're not super early morning people. He is more than me, but we weren't totally ready on time. And then it took us extra time to take it, get a taxi. And I just, I was just like upset at myself all day. Cause my expectations were that we would be there on time because it was my commitment to my son, you know, for the class. And he loved it because he wants to be a cook. So, you know, so I hold high expectations for myself, but that you can never fix the other partner. They can never fix you. If you need your, yourself to be fixed because there's something wrong inside, go to a professional. (laughs) Don't expect your partner to cover that. Don't expect them to be your therapist because they're not. They're there to love you, be your companion, to love, honor, respect you and to hold your hand and have a meal. You know, the basic things, the life things, share hopes, fears, and dreams with, but not fix you. They can't fix you. You can't fix them. Things will never (coughs) stay the same. This is the second one here in this section. You can avoid disappointment and failure in your relationship by not setting an expectation that things will always be the same. You can't change change because change is always changing. You cannot change your life. I mean, you cannot keep your life the same because your life will always be changing. Sorry. Life always changes. Every day is different. Every day is new. Even if you have the same routine, it's not 100% exactly the same. You know, and routine is good, but it also can get boring. So don't expect that things will never, <coughs> um, the things will never change because things will never stay the same. Things will always move forward. You know, you'll maybe never live in this house forever. It's, I mean, maybe you'll move. Maybe you'll get fat or skinny or grow older, actually maybe grow young. If you do the Himalayan, um, the five rights youth exercises, you can do that. You know, maybe, uh, you'll have new hobbies and new ideas and new friends in the future. Don't ever keep yourself in a little narrow box. The narrow mindedness can get boring and then your partner might leave you for that. So don't expect that things will stay the same. Don't expect yourself to always feel the same way about your partner. And don't expect them to always feel the same way about you. Be grateful every day that you both wake up in love with each other. And maybe you have a three-year relationship and it peters out and you go your separate ways because you outgrew each other and you developed completely different interests and you fell out of love. But the love, the friendship love will always remain. 
but the out of love feeling may or may not, but it doesn't mean that was a failure in a relationship. It means that it ran its course and now it's time for something new. Next. (laughs) It's okay. Don't expect you're going to have one job for the rest of your life. Don't expect you to have one partner for the rest of your life. That's an unreasonable expectation of yourself. So this is an unreasonable expectation many couples have. They expect that every waking moment, every waking bit of free time will be spent with you. That's extremely unrealistic, guys. You know, that is, that's a recipe for disaster. So just, just don't, just don't, uh, don't expect that all the time that you're together, you will start to avoid others and you'll never have friends again. You'll never see your families again. Um, that's abuse. That's, that's not a real relationship. That's not good. Now you're going to hovel up, you know, <laughs> you know, you will bo- both be living in the man cave for a few weeks in the beginning. It always this happens in every new relationship. You, you stay in your relationship bubble where it's all soft and safe and happy go lucky, fluffy bunnies and rainbows. And then the real world comes crashing in and the bubble pops and you have to go back into the world again. But don't keep trying to recreate that bubble because that's not healthy, right? It's not healthy because when you marry somebody, you're not just marrying them. You're like becoming a part of their family. And that includes their friends and sometimes their work environment and all that. And also they're marrying into your world. Worlds are colliding, not just two individuals in two little bubbles creating one bubble together and the rest of the world doesn't exist anymore because now we have a relationship that's not reasonable it's okay allow them to have friends allow yourself to have friends allow yourself to have fun without your partner and allow them to have fun without you it's wonderful because when they come back to you you come back to them you you know you separate for the evening you know i used to take the kids bowling my husband would stay home And sometimes he'd go hang out with his friend next door, or he would read a book or he'd call his sister, you know, to have a long chat. He loved long chats with his uh, people in his family. And then we'd come back together and he would tell me what's the haps baby with all the people in his life that I didn't get to, you know, be there for those conversations. And then I get to tell him how good the kids did in bowling. And it was wonderful. We had something new to talk about. That's a one way to keep your relationship renewed, healthy, and alive. You have outside interests of each other. And you could come back and tell each other about the interests. It's wonderful. So don't, let's see, let's, uh, they, want, they won't give up their basic life for you. They're not going to give up their family. They're not going to give up your friends. They won't give up their job, their career, or their house, especially what they're living in a house has been in their family for 400 years. You're living on the East Coast. You have this gorgeous antebellum type of house. You know, it's been restored. It's so lovely. Don't expect them to give that up because you feel like living in a modern day apartment in the city. I mean, that's a crime to imagine that they're going to give up their family heirloom place. No, they could rent it out, sure. 
you know, maybe you could live in the city Monday through Friday and, and, you know, Friday night through Sunday afternoon, you can live in the antebellum house or whatever. So don't expect that's not right for you to expect them to no longer have certain friends because they might like them. If you don't trust your partner, don't be in a relationship with them. If there's room in a relationship to cheat, that you don't have a good relationship. Either seek seek help, get a counselor, or just part ways amicably because maybe this isn't working. You know, maybe we aren't the one for each other, right? And by the way, there's a lot of the ones, soulmates for you. Um, You may or may not be here with your twin at this time, but there's a lot of soulmates. Soulmates are wonderful. Not as much pressure as twin flames, to be honest. So uh, do not have physical expectations such as love making don't expect that they're always going to look like you know Salma Hayek or Brad Pitt (laughs) or whatever whoever turns you on the most don't expect your partner always to have a perfect body that their looks are going to be perfect and youthful forever teach them the Himalaya five rights but if they choose not to do that they choose to grow old that's their choice and it's your choice too Maybe you're okay with the gray hair and you're okay with the, you know, saggy body parts, you know, maybe that's what you want. Maybe that's, you're okay with growing old because you like the process and you like the idea of becoming the old crone or the old wise hermit, you know, like that might be something you always kind of waited for when you're little. I can't wait to grow a big white beard, walk around with a cane and freak kids out. I don't know. Maybe that's you. I don't know. What, everyone has something different in their minds, but don't expect them to want to apply that uh, anti-wrinkle <laughs> liquid on their face every day so that they look good for you. Now, it's not unreasonable to want them to look good for you, but you have to tell them that. And if they decide that they don't agree, it's unreasonable for you to keep that expectation. Just mark that one off the list. Accept them for the soul that they are not the body they're currently inhabiting, right? You know, sometimes you have to accept if someone wants to grow old. You have to accept it. You don't have to accept it for yourself. I don't accept aging for myself. <laughs> I just don't. When my body starts to age, I'm like, oh, crap, what mineral am I missing? <laughs> which need, which thing do I need to do to get back to the youthful glow? <laughs> You know, I'm still, there's a few things I need to work on, you know, this month. I'm like, all right, all right. In March, this is going to be, by the end of March, it'll be done. Right. But, uh, expect, expecting them to agree with you hundred percent of the time. Also, that's, that's a no go. You can't expect that person to agree with you 100% of the time. Cause they're just not gonna, you can't expect them. Also, this is the last one. Uh, Oh, second to the last one. You cannot expect them to hold the exact same interests and all of the same interests as you. You just can't. You can't expect that. It's just not right. That is an unreasonable, too high expectation. You will, that will result in disappointment. You know, uh, the, the stereotypical movie where the guy finds out she loves the ballet. And he goes out and learns about that author that she's reading. And he looks at all the ballets and he memorizes all the stories. And, and, and then he comes back and he's like, 
well just like so-and-so said in this opera and she's like oh I don't know I've never seen that one you know <laughs> it happens so often in so many movies it's hilarious because that's an unreason- unreasonable unrealistic expectation that well if I suddenly learn everything that she knows about that one subject then maybe I can impress her well sure it might be impressive that you learn the information but it's unrealistic to believe that you both are going to love the ballet. You're going to love the opera. You're going to love going bowling. You're going to love watching football and baseball and basketball games together. Like not every single activity will be shared. So drop that expectation if you have it, because that's not right. I'm going to take a quick break and then we're going to go over more information. This is going to be a very long episode but I want you guys to have this stuff down. Relationships are very important. And this is one of the parts of your world in your life that if you have it down and you understand what's to be expected of you and your, and your partner knows, and you have that open line of communication and you handle it right. If this part of your world works, everything else will flow. Same thing with, like, if you have your career and everything, your kids, your everything's fine, then the relationship will flow eventually. When it happens, it does. You know, but you have to try to master all areas of your life. But if you master the relationship stuff, you're going to be so much happier. A lot less stress. So I'm going to take a quick break, and I'm going to do the last part of the show right after this. So we only have a couple left to go through and then I'm going to read a couple just interesting things I found online. So now the next one um, in my own list that I created is it is basically very unrealistic to expect that there will be zero fighting in the relationship. This is an immature attitude that a lot of really young people take. But you know what? People might sometimes expect that there will never be a fight. Um, I like to refer to friends when Monica and Chandler finally got together and they had their first fight. He was just like, all right, well, I'm sorry. I'll move out now. You know, (laughs) he's like, what? It was just a fight. We didn't break up, dude. Oh, oh, okay. Well, what? (laughs) You know, he expected that one fight would be the end of the relationship. So don't expect that you'll, they'll never fight, that you guys will never fight. And don't expect that fighting means that's the end of the relationship. It's over. Sayonara, sweetheart. End of the line. Because it's not. Every couple fights every healthy couple fights. Now there are some very rare examples of couples that don't fight that often. They don't bicker or argue because they happen to be very much alike and that's okay. My husband and I hardly ever fought, hardly barely ever. Sometimes we would have a heated discussion. Sometimes we'd have a little bit of, you know, bickering when we were hungry. (laughs) 
were tired or, you know, two kids in diapers, you know, for a while, that was, that was rough going, man. Oh my God. We finished changing one, the other one needed. It's like, you're trying to change that one. I'll change this one. It was just, for a while, it was, it was hardly any sleep, you know, hardly any alone time together. Worth it. Worth every second. I love my kids so much. Never would have changed a thing. But don't expect that there'll be no fighting, no arguing, no bickering. Because it's normal. But do expect that when you do fight, argue, or bicker, that you're not going to resort. You won't resort to name calling. That is a good expectation to have. You don't resort to blaming. You don't resort to name calling. And we did talk about how to have a fair fight this month. So go back and listen to that one if you did not hear it already. Food is one I added um, just now a few minutes ago. I wrote down food. Do not expect, like if you both, okay, this is what happened with my husband and I. I had been a, a vegetarian for nine years. Well, maybe like, well, I was a vegetarian for nine years. So I think I'd been like for maybe seven or eight years when I met him, a vegetarian. And he also had been a vegetarian for about the same amount of time, which was weird. And we talked about it. We talked about recipes. I told him mine. He told me his. We went to vegetarian restaurants together. We went to non-vegetarian restaurants and ate vegetarian food. And then one day he came home with a chicken sandwich. And I just, I just, I, I, I could not even with him, you know, I, I was like, dude, like, I just started crying. I was very immature back then. And I st- it's so embarrassing, but I started to cry because my identity as a vegetarian was doubly reinforced as him being a vegetarian. And I almost felt like it was spiritual. We're living a pious life. We're spiritual and we're vegetarian together. We don't need to eat meat in this society when we're provided every kind of vegetable and alternative protein source. And, you know, vegans are vegans. They're crazy. But vegetarians, we could still have cheese and milk. There's other sources of protein available. They're still within reason. I can eat a macaroni and cheese if I need to. <laughs> you know, so I, it was just like the way I was thinking back then. And when he came home with the chicken sandwich, and I'm like, who knows you ate that? And he's like, oh, this is the second one. I ate one in front of my dad. I'm like, but didn't we not just tell your dad we're vegetarians? And now you're eating a chicken sandwich? I feel like such a liar. You made me a liar right now. I told my mom you're a vegetarian, that I'm a vegetarian, we're vegetarians together. It's one big thing we have in common. And I learned on that day, (laughs) don't expect your partner to eat what you want them to eat. (laughs) Or how? Your partner's gonna change his diet. She's going to change what she eats over the years. This week might be vegan week. Next week might be carnivorous week. (laughs) 
The week after that might be keto diet, and the week after that might be ice cream sandwiches for lunch every day. You know, just don't expect your partner to comply with the image you have of them in your mind. And also don't expect yourself to be vegetarian forever because I was a vegetarian for nine years and I almost died from it. I went to a naturopathic doctor who told me I normally will tell people that a vegetarian lifestyle can be extremely healthy. But in your case, looking at your blood work, looking at your symptoms and everything, I could tell you right now, for you, staying a vegetarian, you'll end up with cancer, you're going to die. And then he told me, eat four ounces of meat a day. The heavier animal protein, it's in my genetics, it's in my blood, it's my blood type, it's everything I need to be healthy wise. You know, I had started to eat meat already and then I started to go back, slip back into the vegetarian lifestyle. It's easier, it's cheaper, I was more comfortable with it. And I developed a nut allergy to every nut there was. I couldn't eat almonds or pecans or walnuts or hazelnuts. And he said, don't even eat peanuts anymore. Like for maybe, I don't know, seven years, I didn't eat any nuts. Because I had developed a severe allergy to them. Now, I find myself now even slipping back into the vegetarian lifestyle. I'll eat a handful of walnuts every day. I love nuts. I really do. But, um, but I still balance it out. Like, I still eat meat once, once a week. I eat chicken twice a week. I eat fish or shrimp two or three times a week. But I have, like, three or four days, you know, every couple of weeks. Every, I'll have three or four days a week where it's all vegetarian meals never vegan. I just don't, I I can't, it's not healthy. Not for me. It's healthy for most people that do it, but for me, not so much, but don't expect yourself to have the same diet year after year. And don't expect them to have the same diet year after year. And don't expect them to love every single thing you cook. And don't expect to love every single thing they cook. My husband was an excellent cook. He made was one dish with tofu and spaghetti sauce, which was one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen in my life. It looked like vomit on top of noodles. It was so gross. I couldn't even, I just, it's like I couldn't be in the room when he ate it. It smelled amazing. It even, I did taste it. It tasted good, but it was, he's like, it's extra protein. But I'm like, the, the color was so disgusting. He had friends over and served it to them, and they said the same thing. They just started laughing. They're like, we're going to go out for pizza now. Bye. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't I can't do it. They, they're like, we can't do it. And he's like, well, more for me. And we're like, yeah, all of it for you, 100% for you. <laughs> it was so disgusting. Don't ever mix tofu with, like, anything. It's just gross. It's yuck. It's not even all that good for you. But, um... Back when I was vegetarians, we did. We ate tofu. <laughs> Fried tofu can taste good, but it's not very healthy. Anyway, um, so don't expect that their diet will always be the same or that yours will always be the same. But do expect from yourself and from them that whatever they decide to eat, you don't judge them for it. You still respect them for what their decision is in this moment 
and you always love them no matter what. And expect them to feel the same and act the same towards you. You know, like Ralph Smart, he's a vegan and, and um, he has this channel, Ralph Smart, on YouTube. He's amazing. He's one of the most incredible people on the planet. He's a vegan. And he says, you know, and he teaches, if you want to be a vegan, he teaches all the right ways to do it. If you think you can handle it, you know, he says, take the vegan seven day challenge, right? <laughs> but, um, he says he respects the plate of the person who's eating, but he prefers to be in a relationship that, that where they're going to eat the same things where she will be a vegan as well. Or he, I don't know if he, I think he dates, I think he's with a woman now. I don't know. It's none of my business. But anyway, I feel like when he first said that, I was like, yeah, you know what? That's true. If I'm, if a vegan doesn't have a problem with me eating meat sometimes, cool. Don't mind being with a vegan. I prefer to be with a guy who's going to have a steak with me once in a while. Makes life more fun for me to go to a steakhouse or have lobster once in a while. You know, I, I like that. Hey, let's have that good rotisserie chicken over there. That one restaurant, it smells so good. Let's do that. You know, I, I just, for me, life is grand when you have a lot more choices, you know, food-wise. But, um, you know, but I don't expect them to have a carb-free diet, even if I do. I don't expect them to eat only once a day, even if I do. You know, and I would respect them if they want to eat, you know, five small meals a day, even though it's not healthy. But if that's what they want to do and they feel good doing that, okay. Everyone has to take care of their own body. You know, you can't control another person and they can't control you or what you eat. It's not right. All right. So I'm going to go to Gottman.com. This is the psychologist, G-O-T-T-M-A-N.com. He has like a lot of, it's like a blog, but I think he, yeah, he's got a PhD. So that's awesome. He's a psychologist. So he's talking about marital um, therapists and whatnot and expecting, he's saying a lot of people uh, expect less, so they're never disappointed, but that's not right. If you expect less out of your relationship, what's going to happen is you're going to be ill-treated. You know, like you're going to barely have a relationship. Like they're going to cheat on you. Look at other women. They're going to, you know, if you lower your expectations, you're going to get a person who expects lower from himself or herself. (laughs) You know, it's not good. Not good at all. So he says he encourages couples to strive for the quote unquote good enough relationship. It sounds like settling for less than the best, but he feels like he should explain. So he says in a good enough relationship, people have high expectations for how they're treated. They expect to be treated with kindness, love, affection, and respect. They don't tolerate emotional or physical abuse. And they do expect their partner to be loyal to them. Boom. That's high expectations. But this does not mean that they expect the relationship to be free of conflict. Even happily married couples do argue. Conflict is healthy because it leads to greater understanding. People should not expect to solve all the problems in their relationship either. 
and he has done uh, studies called his he calls it the love lab he found out that two-thirds of all relationship conflict is perpetual and dr dan Weil says when choosing a long-term partner you will be inevitably choosing a particular set of unsolvable problems so that's a good expectation don't expect that all of the problems will be solved because there's always going to be one or two things that kind of, uh, it's not going to ever be solved. You know, my, my, uh, husband couldn't see when his mom was manipulating him and when she was like being two faced and treating me bad, he never could see it. It was his blind spot. Like the minute um, I delivered my baby within three days, I got a magazine subscription to, um, I don't know, Shape magazine. And every single cover came with this gorgeous 20-something-year-old really skinny woman on it in perfect shape. Because when I was at her house, and she did it, and I asked her, and she oh, yeah. And she said, oh, I would never do that. And I found out, I called them and found out she had ordered this magazine for me. And it was just like, it's never business, business if I'm in shape or not. But I just felt like it was so rude when I was so emotional. And I'm like in my 30s giving birth. And to show me this, these practically teenagers are little twigs. They've never given birth. They have stretch marks. They're wearing bikinis on the cover of this magazine. It was like really mean, you know. And then um, like a month later, she gave me a dress that she thought would be so beautiful on me. And it was a size 3X for an extremely fat woman. It was actually as big as a 5X, which is about almost the biggest thing that you can get. And I was overweight. Yeah, I had just given birth, but I was like a size 16, not a 5X. You know, like four of me could have fit in that dress. And I brought it to her house. I said, you know, thank you for thinking of me. It's a really beautiful dress. It's just not my size, honey. You know, maybe you'd like to wear it or maybe you could return it or give it away to charity because I'm, I'm not going to ever wear it. But I appreciate the thought. Thank you. Of course, that infuriated her, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I called, I was like crying my heart out. I called my friend Amber. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? She's so mean to me. Like, and it's constant and he will never see how mean she was to me he'll never see it (laughs) and I don't know what to do about it you know and I try so hard with her and she's just so like you know oh what a cute little quaint house you've picked out for yourself meaning small tiny unacceptable you know that those kind of things those little backstabbing you know it seems like a compliment on the surface but it's really like that dig get the digs in to irritate you type of thing he would never see it when she said this stuff to me (laughs) you know so it's unrealistic to expect that you know all of the problems will be solved because they never will it's unrealistic to expect a relationship to heal uh, childhood wounds or become a pathway to spiritual enlightenment or self-actualization I was lucky with my, with my husband because we were already on a spiritual path when we met and I gave him ideas. He gave me ideas and we moved forward together, but doing separate things. Sometimes we do this, we do the mystery schools together 
And for a while, I continued on one path and he went, I went Eastern, he went Western. And that was okay. And then eventually I went back to Western. And we, but we always talked about our spirituality. And we didn't expect that we'd be on the same page, even though our Kundalini's rose on the same day, which was hilarious. Because we were just like, oh my God, I did not expect that. That was weird and awesome. (laughs) You know, but... Uh, don't expect your partner's going to be on the same spiritual path. I want a partner with spiritual like conversation in him, but I don't expect him to be the same as me. <laughs> and I know he doesn't expect me to be the same as him. I, no one would. It doesn't make sense. So never, ever, ever settle for being treated poorly. Um, let's see, what else does it say here? Uh, honor each other's dreams, even when they're different. Don't expect to have the same exact dreams. You meet, you fall in love, you find out you have so much in common and you want to be authors. Oh my God, we're going to write books together. We're going to be best-selling authors together. It's going to be, we'll go on tour together and wait, you want to write horror movie, uh, horror books? Ew. No, I want to write spiritual fluffy bunny happy butterfly and rainbow books <laughs> communicating with the unicorns that's my current title <laughs> you know don't expect that they're gonna even if you have the same dreams or similar dreams they're not gonna be the same thing you write political books and you're republican ooh. <laughs> you know and you know you gotta see in the beginning is this a deal breaker when you get together you know, don't expect they're going to be in the same political party as you. Don't expect they're going to vote every single time the same as you. Even if you're both Democrats, even if you're both libertarians, you're not going to always vote the same. You're not going to see eye to eye in every issue, so don't expect it to happen. Just honor one another's dreams. That's what it says here. Even if they're different, according to Gottman.com. Couples that are happy create a shared meaning system with shared values, ethics, beliefs, rituals, and goals. They agree about fundamental symbols, such as what is a home? What is love? How are we going to raise the kids? Expect that because you deserve it. It's not unreasonable. It is achievable. So... But in order for you to build a deep, meaningful relationship full of trust and intimacy, you're going to have to talk about all of this and set reasonable expectations and delete the ones you don't need anymore. You can erase those from your mind. Just takes a little more. Now, according to womenshealthmag.com, this was a little bit more, was the first couple are a little bit more, uh, I don't know, uh, shallow. And I mentioned this before. Don't expect your partner to always look like Brad Pitt or Liam Hemsworth, whoever the hell that is anyway. (laughs) And it says, hopefully you know this, but looks do fade. Sorry. (laughs) If you expect they're going to stay the same forever, you might be in for some real disappointment. Um, You know, understand that they might gain five pounds. They might gain 50. You know, they might have a problem with their health. Love them for who they are inside, for the soul that they are. All of our souls are beautiful. Sometimes outer shell, not as much. 
They lose a little bit of hair. Don't worry about it. Love them anyway. And if you're in it for the shallow part of it, probably you're not mature enough to handle a long-term relationship. They gain a couple wrinkles. Love them. Call them laugh lines. Be grateful they were able to enjoy their life. That's what I'd say. That, those are my words, not from the magazine. So anyway, it says, uh, yeah, don't expect to have a certain amount of sex on a regular basis because you know what? Things do die down in the bedroom. They do. I know a lot of you have heard of lesbian bed death. If you're a lesbian, that's like maybe out of all the possibilities out there, lesbians have it the worst because women, as they get older, have less and less physical needs like that. Whereas men could keep going like the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> but even men, you know, sometimes want to slow down when they get older and when they get hit their 50s. You know, they have hormonal issues as well. And they don't always want to do it all the time. And that's okay. So expect your partner to always plan vacations or date nights. You know what? That's not fair. You got to plan them together or every other year or every other week, no matter what, whether it's a date night or the vacation if you guys take a vacation once a year this is my year I'm planning a cruise next year you can plan that trip to the Rocky Mountains in Colorado we could go be on the dude branch next year that's okay this year honey we're going to we're going to Paris <laughs> you know and, and next year you know we could do the Alaskan cruise for you you know, you just, you got it every other one, I think. Every, that's fair. Every other one. You expect your partner to pay for everything. That's not fair. If you're a two-income household and you just keep in and hoarding your own money and you never pay for them, you expect them to buy you gifts and you don't buy them gifts, mm, not so fair. Not fair at all. But sometimes, you know, one person might have money and the other person doesn't. If that's agreed upon before you get it, get together, that's okay. But you know what? It's nice to go get a part-time job so you can buy the lovely things for your partner if you're the stay-at-home you know, partner. But don't expect them to spend all their free time with you. We already covered that. Um, you expect them to apologize first. This one's good from womenshealthmag.com. If you have a fight, don't expect them to apologize first. Don't stubbornly miss out on, on having beautiful makeup sex. Don't, ex, you know, don't break the relationship because they refuse to apologize for three weeks straight or whatever. Be the bigger woman, be the bigger man, be the bigger person. Go over there and say, look, I hated that we fought that, that, that didn't feel good. No matter what though, I love you. I loved you. Even during the fight, I loved you. I found myself weirdly attracted to you while we're fighting, even though I hated the fact that we're fighting. I might not agree with you. You might not agree with me. We could agree to disagree. We could agree to put the fight on hold for now. Go have lunch. But I'd like to apologize that it got that far. I'm going to be the better person, the bigger person, not better, sorry, bigger person. And I'm going to apologize. And usually they'll go, oh my God, I was so scared. I thought it was over because you weren't apologizing to me. And I was afraid to. <laughs> usually it's not stubbornness. It's usually fear that people don't apologize. 
Maybe they were raised in a household where nobody apologized. Maybe they had narcissistic parents and they don't know how to apologize. Sometimes it just needs, you know, you need basic communication skills. But what it says here is it can become very destructive to a relationship to assume that your partner is A, always going to be there. Yeah, they can leave, honey. Don't let yourself go and don't treat them like crap because you're going to push them away. B, don't assume that your partner is always going to make the first move to fix things. There's no guarantee, even with a marital, what is it, document, diploma, whatever, even with legal marriage, that piece of paper, it, that's not even a guarantee. It, I mean, that commitment is stronger than the paper, but if you expect that paper to save you so you could save whatever the hell you want to that person, treat them like crap during a fight, then afterwards expect them to love you and be there for you, mm, not going to happen. Before my mom died, she... Um, was always complaining about her husband and he was always leaving the house and he'd be gone for hours unexplained and then he'd come back he'd have $20 in his pocket and he'd leave and, and there'd be like no money on the you know, when he came back and it drove her crazy but the way that she treated him she was so mean mean spirited making fun of him because he was illiterate most of his life he knew how to read as an adult but he grew up in a cave, homeless with his parents. Didn't know how to read for most of his life, you know, most of his childhood. And she made fun of him all the time for that. It was so unfair. I did not like that. When we were driving, she'd scream at him for every little thing. It was very uncomfortable. I literally feared for our lives. And my husband and I always looked at each other. And afterwards, we'd talk about, he'd be like, you know, all of all the disagreements or little you know, moments we've had, it's never gotten that bad. He's like, thank you for being so loving to me. Like, I'm really, truly in love with you. I would never treat you like that. You know, and it was horrible. It was horrible. I mean, she was just so mean to him. And I was just like, she'd always scream and yell. So maybe it's a good thing she didn't raise me. That was my birth mom. It was a good thing she didn't raise me. So I, I don't, I'm glad I didn't have that kind of communication. <laughs> but seven, uh, they say uh, you expect them to have no friends of the opposite sex or whatever sex they're attracted to. We already did discuss that one. So um, you can't forbid them to not be friends. Remember in, in Friends, <laughs> uh, Ross was forbidden by Emily to ever be friends with Rachel again. And that was unfair. In the end, he chose his friend over his wife, Emily, and they got divorced. Eight, you expect your family and life takes precedent, and theirs doesn't. <laughs> um, you got to enmesh your lives together. It's not going to be you with their family all the time, and you never get to see your family or the other way around. No, you got you to spend time... You know, try to make it as equal as possible. Nine, you expect your partner to take care of things around the house. You know what? Yeah, even if your partner says, I'll do all the cooking and cleaning, you know what? You should do some of it too. And and if you guys can afford a maid, then this is a moot point, really. But when the, on the days that the maid's off, don't expect them always to pick up the laundry. 
do your share. You dirty a dish, you wash a dish. You got extra laundry to do? Do it yourself. You're a grown adult, damn it. You don't know how to operate the laundry machine? Ask for help. (laughs) You know, or drop it off at the fluff and fold. You know, don't expect your partner to take care of everything around the house. Even if they're a quote-unquote stay-at-home or a quote-unquote housewife or house husband, don't expect them to do all the stuff around the house. It's unfair. There's a lot more to do in a house than there is in a day job. Especially if you have kids. Oh my God, that's a never-ending job. And then it says, you expect your partner always to take your side in fights. Mm. Don't expect them to always agree with you. Do expect them to support you no matter what. Okay, they don't have to agree with stuff. Um, And then let's see what else. Uh, You expect your partner to always know what you're thinking. Yeah, you know what? You're not a mind reader, baby. Even if you are psychic, you're not 100% psychic 100% of the time. In your relationship, assume you're not psychic. Assume they're not psychic. They cannot read your mind. They cannot. Even if they can read minds in general. My husband was very psychic. I was very psychic. But we always had an agreement between us that with each other, even if we kind of knew what was going on, we would always ask and have clear, honest, open communication about it because it was impossible sometimes to understand what he was thinking or going through and vice versa. You know, sometimes when you're too close to a thing, you can't read it, actually. So don't think that you're a mind reader. (laughs) You might think you know each other well enough that you can understand and anticipate each other's needs. That is a sign of strength in a relationship, it says here. Yay! But when you start to assume that your partner is intentionally ignoring your feelings, if they're doing something that bothers you, that's not that's not true. Usually their intentions isn't to hurt you or ignore your feelings or slight you or whatever. Usually that's not at all the case. Sometimes your partner might be, you know, like a mental Mr. Magoo. They're not really aware of things outside of their own head or what they're thinking or feeling right now. Maybe they're going through something they don't want to share yet. You got to give them space and time and ask them and let them know, hey, I'm here for you when you want to talk about it. But I'll give you your space for now. But don't expect that you know exactly everything's going on. Don't expect them to read your mind and don't expect you're going to read theirs. Number 12, expect your partner to fill every void in your life at all times. Ooh, that's a big no-no. That is a very bad expectation a lot of people have. You know, when you're bored, they have to entertain you. No. Are you paying them to entertain you? No. You know, I expect that in my future relationship, and I've seen bits and pieces of what we're going to have our lives. I saw us painting together and listening to music together. I've seen visions where I'm in his house and I'm blasting my own music and dancing around because he's not home. Because he's not going to be there for every moment of my life. 
know, and I've, and I've had visions, you know, I know what it's going to be. So I don't expect him to fill my every waking moment. Plus that's like so smothering. I like having alone time, you know, introvert. I don't need every day alone, but I, I do need some. And, and you don't, don't expect that you're going to be able to fill their void. If they're so constantly needy, they probably need a psychologist to help them work out some of those childhood issues. Have some issues, take the tissues. Don't come crying to me about it though, because, you know, even though I will have love and compassion for you, I can't fix you and I can't be there for every minute, every second. You can't, you know, it says here, uh, some couples do have a symbiotic joint at the hip relationship. There's nothing wrong with that. It does work for some people. Other couples, on the other hand, they don't enjoy getting super deep and sharing every personal thought and emotion, and that also works for them. See, my, my husband and I, were we were the first one. We were, like, joined at the hip. We just could not get enough of each other. We couldn't get enough of each other. It was... 24-7 for almost 13 years. And I loved it. But the relationship I had before that, I needed a big lot of breaks from him. Loved him dearly, but we needed breaks from each other. Then we got back to each other. We had a lot of fun. We loved each other. But every relationship is different. And also, don't expect your old relationship to be like your new relationship. <laughs> They're not all going to be the same. You know, neither one of those is wrong. Neither one of those is right. You know, the one that makes you feel more secure, loved and appreciated. That's the one, you know, if you have more quality time than quantity, that's okay too. The moments you do share together are very deep and very precious. And those moments you wouldn't give up for every second together, you know, Sometimes you get bored together if you're constantly together. It just depends on the people involved. You just have to have your expectations being clear and open. Okay, so now the third thing that I found was mirror.co.uk. The mirror. They said, learn the five F factors before coming to each other. Finances, family, friendships, fun, and the frisky factor or your sexual compatibility. They say that these factors will determine the long-term compatibility and harmony. And they're also the source of many divorces. Finances. How much you can agree and disagree on spending and saving. You gotta have a plan. You guys want to have the same financial blueprint. You know what? Actually, private message me at metaphysicalsoulspeak at gmail.com and I will see if I can get you into the three day seminar that's free. But if I, but it's kind of an invitation only, um, I could get you into T. Harvecker's, um, stuff. You'll hear his material for three days. And if you both have that same financial blueprint, you'll be golden as a couple together. Even if one of you is a saver and one of you is a spender, you're going to be both on the same page. If you, you know, one of you grew up to be wealthy and one of you know, and you, you did it on your own and the other one of you just, just like you, you can't even hold a position, any kind of job and you keep losing your jobs and lose your money and you don't care about money, you know, that'll get you both on the same page. You'll, you'll even the playing field and finances will never be an issue for you again. 
you'll both work towards common financial goals and that's important so family how much time you're willing to spend with your respective families and how many children you're going to have or not have uh, you're going to have fur babies how many which kinds I mean this can be a big I mean uh, Doris Day had like a hundred dogs <laughs> And it really pissed her husband off. It's, I think is what led to their divorce. He could handle it. She gave all of her love and attention to the dogs and none to him. She gave him attention, but not what he wanted and expected. I mean, I see it. I've seen it too. Friendships. What part are they going to play in your day-to-day life? Are you going to only see your friends on Fridays and Saturdays? Are you going to see them during the week? Are they going to be at your house every waking moment? Are they Kramer <laughs> in Seinfeld? Just coming on over, opening your door with his his key. You got to figure all that out. Fun. What are you going to do for fun and leisure? Are you going to drink together? Are you going to be sober together? Are you going to do psychedelic drugs every Saturday? You got to figure stuff out in advance. Or if you're already in a relationship, you got to figure it out now if you haven't already. You might have very different expectations on how to spend your money on weekends and holidays and in your sexual compatibility. Uh, so, uh, and it says basically understand that a wedding isn't a marriage. It's one day of your life, but the marriage is a rest every day for the rest of your life. A marriage will not solve a relationship. So if you think we'll just get married, everything work out. No, you'll make it a lot worse. Whatever problems you're having before you get married might be amplified in the marriage. So there's going to be a lot more emotional pressure coming from internal pressure systems you didn't even know were in place inside of you. From your past, from your family, from society at large. Share, cherish your self-esteem. Understand that you need to build your self-esteem. You have to love yourself. You have to have confidence in yourself. And your relationship should bolster you up. In every relationship that there is that's good, there's that element of supporting each other, bolstering each other, really being there for the other person. Respect and responsibility for yourself and others. Talking and listening. Don't pressure the other person into sex before they're ready. Um, you know, maybe you want to have sex on the first date or the third date or the fifth date. Maybe they want to wait a year. Maybe they want to wait till marriage. It's not a guarantee the relationship's going to last if you wait that long. But it's not a guarantee that if you do it right away and you're compatible there, that the relationship's going to last. Because usually you burn out that area and then you're like, well, well, what else is there? You know, if if you don't put any other factors in place, I think you should wait a few months. But you know what? You might have a different idea and your idea might work out better for yourself, right? So managing expectations in a relationship. That's what this episode was about. I hope that my um, advice and all the things uh, I came up with, as well as what I was able to look up for you guys, I hope that that will help you uh, in your relationship. Let me know if you have any other questions about relationships, anything I haven't covered, you know, we could do a special Tuesday, um, you know, next month or in April, whenever. Otherwise, we'll wait till um, next February, love month again, 
to do uh, four episodes again on relationships and, you know, strengthening those bonds. It's, uh, it's very important, you know, it's like a big, huge part of the human experience is to have that experience it at least once, you know, manage your expectations and you will have a long lasting, beautiful, wonderful relationship. I guarantee it. I don't guarantee it'll be forever. Don't expect that. But I do guarantee that the time you have together, it will be quality and you'll have the memories to hold on to for the rest of your life. Anyway, that's it, guys. I love you guys so much. Thank you for sticking with me if you've gotten this far. (laughs) You're a trooper. Um, The relationship ones tend to be a little bit longer because there's a lot more ground to cover and it's, it's something that's super important, you know? So... I want to make sure I'm thorough, Virgo, that I am. (laughs) But thank you for liking, sharing, subscribing, telling all your Facebook groups, your Insta, and your Twitter followers about this show. Because as people start to open up spiritually in the mass awakenings that are going to start happening this year, they're going to need some advice to turn to, someone to, you know, tell them what it is, what's going on. And I'd like to be that person. So let, uh, let people know about metaphysical soul speak, the podcast, tell them they can find me on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher podcast, podcaster, Podbean. I'm on all of them. I'm internationally syndicated. Yeah. I have over 400 episodes, so you can always go back and listen to the archives for absolutely free. There ain't no law says you can't listen to an episode two or three times to get all the info out of it. <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, just thank you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, again, remind yourself, make the reminder that July, come July 1st, when I give you all the information, go and nominate me for the people's choice award. If you believe I deserve it, if you like the show and you enjoy it, um, you know, I'm going to give all that information. It's still like three, three and a half, four months away. You know, you're going to, um, I just put a reminder on your phone. So you don't forget to vote for me. (laughs) And I really appreciate it. I want to get the word out. I want to make a living from this doing what I love and I can't do it without your help and support. So please just, um, you know, tell everyone about it. Anyone, everyone who has spiritual curiosity goes, Hey, did you hear metaphysical soul speak the podcast? You might like it. You might love it. It's definitely free and fun to listen to. Maybe (laughs) if you guys think that, tell them that anyway, I, uh, I gotta go gonna let you guys go and I need to sleep and get ready for tomorrow's show yay (laughs) all right well I am going to be back tomorrow with all original and unique programming just like always but for now I'm signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the holy fifth dimension until next time guys peace Thank you.
Metaphysical Soul Speak is run on sponsors and listener support. This means listeners like you. If you are so inclined to support my efforts and my little podcast, please visit me at anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical and pledge an amount of your choosing today. Thank you.